Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence once again today. Being in your presence is what we enjoy, the source of life. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is our portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. More and more like Jesus Christ. That's what we are becoming in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. Before you sit down, please open your Bibles to the book of Psalms 119. Let's just read this together and then we'll sit down and we'll share some word. Psalm 119. We ended last time in verse um, 144. And I want us to just um, uh, pick up from there quickly. We'll start from that 145 today and I think we'll just read it to the end and we're taking many of the segments now because a lot of things have been repeated again and again and I want us to remember that the reason why these things have been repeated in different words in different manners is because these are the most important things for Christians to note all right that's why the title of the series is the most important prayer we can ask for many things in life God can come to us like he came to Solomon and say Ask for anything. Don't ever forget, this is the most important thing that you will ask for. Under it, there are so many fragments of it. Lord, make sure my life is conformed to your purpose. Make sure I'm walking according to your will. Make sure I'm obeying your instructions. Those are the things you ask God for. And that's what we call the most important prayer. All right? Under it, we can break it into those different aspects. So let's continue that. Psalm 119 verse 145, as we've been doing, I read the verse, you read the next one. You hear my voice in the background so that you be clear to those who are listening to this and the recording. All right, from verse 145. I cry with all my heart, answer me, O Lord. I will observe thy statutes. 146. I cry to thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. In 147, it says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for thy words. 148. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on thy word. Please note that. David said, my eyes anticipate the night watches. That is, I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. I stay awake through the night meditating on your word. That's what he says, and that's what we are supposed to do as believers. Not stay awake through the night fighting enemies. 149, hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to thine ordinances. 150. Those who follow after wickedness draw near, they are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. 152. Of old I have known from thy testimonies that thou hast founded them forever. All right, the Lord is good. Okay, we'll continue reading. I just wanted to emphasize a few things here. I know before we explained last time that 
the last time we spoke, was we, I focused, I extracted many verses on how to respond at the time of, you know, attack, and the time of, um, I don't use the word affliction now, of um, people coming up against you. When they, what do you do in a time of strong opposition? Don't ever forget it. Satan has just one assignment. He has just one assignment. Just one. And that is to just take your eyes away from God's word. In the beginning he came, as God really said, it's what God says that he challenges. Are you getting my point? Has God said thou shalt not? It's what God says that he challenges. So if you see any opposition in your life, watch out. It is what God says that that opposition is trying to take you away from. It's not trying to take you away from your money. Oh God, may we get the mini, may we get ministry right. This one of staying, fighting for your money, fighting for your goods, you don't understand what Satan is looking for. He's not looking for your money. When he went after Job, he was not interested in Job's money. He was not interested in Job's children. He was not interested in Job's businesses. He was not interested in Job's life. He was interested in just one thing, that Job would stop speaking according to the word of God and obeying God's word. He just wanted Job to start doubting God. That was all. And God said, all right, let's, let, let the battle begin. And they fought and fought and fought. They were not fighting about the children. They were not fighting about the money. They were not fighting about the businesses. They were not fighting about his health. They were fighting about his adherence to divine precepts. That's all. So don't ever forget it. All right? So when opposition comes to you, you know, we study from um, uh, Revelations. In every trial, God wants to qualify you for the next level. And Satan wants to ensure that you are disqualified from the next level. Please be willing in life to lose material things. It's a passport to gaining eternal things. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> That's what it is. It's a passport to gaining eternal things. You know, when I was reading my Bible again, I realized some of the commandments that Jesus gave, believe me, they are crazy. No, naturally speaking now. They are crazy. So if a man asks you to give him 200 naira, say give him 500. I wonder, it wasn't just somebody walking on the road asking you, please give me money. Jesus was talking about something else. What he was trying to say is that, listen, there's contention in the family. Your brother says, this portion of the land is my own. You're, you know, you say, no, that was not what our father said when he was alive. And quarrel begins. Court case about to be filed. Are you getting my point? No physical fight is about to start. Jesus said, give him the whole land. Jesus said, give him everything. So he's fighting over what, you just look at it, comes to maybe like 200 square meters, 150 square meters. Tell him, do you want everything? And you're talking about 1,000 square meters. <laughs> It's okay, let's there be no quarrel. All right. This one she up this one fifty square meters over quarreling over. No problem. The one that's remaining that's mine without any contention is eight fifty. Alright. I will give you three fifty of that one so that this quarrel will be permanently over. That is, I'm cutting mine in half. Take everything. Do you know that's what Jesus prescribes? Why would he prescribe such madness? I told you the story about RG Lutono. Who went into business with a Christian, a, a member of the same church? The business was not doing well. The man came to him and said, We are not doing well because you put your family members on the job. And these guys were working for him before they went into partnership. All right? So it's not, I mean, and he said, I employed my family, that is, you know, in laws, cousins, stuff like that, because he said, They are with me. They love me. They understand. Sometimes I don't pay them on time. They don't quarrel because they know if I had the money, I would pay. And for me, it's been wonderful working with them. This guy said, it's because they are your people. That's why we are not making money. So, the Tuno removed all of them, and they recruited new people and put them on the job. 
And then God gave him another job somewhere else. So he moved those ones. Okay, go and execute the other contract. Let me stay with this. Make a long story short, this contract ended. And they didn't make any money. They just managed to break even. Everything is zero. But the other job he moved these people to, they did well. And he made money on that one. This brother came to him and said, I heard this other contract did very well. He said, we thank God for that. He said, well, we were in partnership during that period, so half of the profit is mine. Thank you very much. I like the way you responded. Lutuno, he said, exploded. What did you see? First, I moved my core staff away from this, our joint business, because you couldn't stand them. God opened a door, so I had a place to put them. While we, you and I worked on this, they worked on that, all right? And then, that God bless you. You are saying it's yours? Like I said, yes, it is mine, half of it, because we're in partnership on this other job. <laughs> the said, you're not getting it. He said, in that case, I'm going to sue. He said, go, go ahead, sue. I'll see you in court. As he turned to leave, the Holy Spirit said to him, give him the money. I like the way you are responding. Because that's exactly how I responded. I closed the book. So this you can't be serious. Now, this matter that happened decades ago, I'm still vexing today. I said, no, God. Like, like, I'm not, I'm not, I will not agree. I'm not agreeing on his behalf. Nobody, 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 nobody's asking me for money. I'm not agreeing. I reluctantly continued reading. The man turned. He said, what? Holy Spirit said, give him the money. He just, you know, there are things you know, your, your mind couldn't have told you. The thought dropped in his mind strongly was the Holy Spirit. Give him the money. What? Which money? Who is who anyway? Give who the money? Grudgingly, he obeyed God. The man didn't know how much he made. He declared it by himself. He could have lied and said, okay, all we made was, let's say, just for those times, $50,000. And when he, actually it was 100, he showed the man the documents, everything. At the end of the day, my profit came to 95000 I'm just as an example. Spread it down the middle, wrote the man a check. And the man collected it. Please, there are monies you shouldn't collect. It's not good for you. You shouldn't collect some monies. That guy foolishly collected it. Two years after, he was permanently out of business. Completely. He was wiped out, did not remain in business. But his brother, Lieutenant, kept on waxing stronger and stronger and stronger. All this Christianity that only gives to you is not the balanced Christianity. The real Christianity first takes everything from you, collects everything from you. By the time it's given to you, you don't even want it again. Because you know, they, now so they go give person, collect them again tomorrow. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I always argue against this doctrine. He give and God will give to you. I say, you don't know God. He's setting you up for something else. When he gives to you, he comes tomorrow and says, That's what I gave you yesterday. Yeah. Where am I? That's how God does it. So don't be hurry for if I give now, he'll give to me. No problem. So give. Then I give to you. Then as soon as you are going home rejoicing, oh, he has given to us. You, you know God is for you leave this place. By the time you get home, he's there in your sitting room. Ah, Lord, what did you get here? I thought I left you in the bank where you settled me. Yeah, yeah, I came to collect what I gave to you. We have need of it again, another level. Christianity is not a thing that on this earth you never settle. No. The reward for faithfulness is more work to do. That's how God does his thing. Your faithful increases the assignment. When we misinterpret, when we misunderstand, that's what we think that hey, this person has been settled. If you give a thousand error today, and God actually does what many people claim he will do, he doesn't do it like that anyway, but let's just assume the pastors are correct, and he now gives you back 50,000 naira. You know why he's doing that? 
since you have been so faithful in giving out 1,000, you look like you know how to give out 50. So he gave you 50. Then he's queuing up waiting for the 50 again. If you do that one, it's key to, and I don't think that one day I will not have to spend my life. He will collect it all the days of your life. People will be watching you from outside and say, that guy is made. But that day he went to church, or he went to one place, he went and God gave him a check for 200 million. When a man gives 200 million, do you know how much he has? Praise God. You don't know that he's giving 200 million in the vex. Say, <laughs> so, Lord, take, mm, collect everything, person never get changed. <laughs> As a man, I read the story in the book, Kicked Out of the Kingdom. That's how he was. He was a grumbler. He liked to grumble, but he always obeyed the Spirit. He knew the voice of the Spirit, and he always obeyed. He was a giver. The Bible says that he that giveth. He used to give. One man, that, man who wrote the book, one day his car tires were all flat, you know, flat worn out. He was saying, Lord, send me tires, and I need tires. Next thing, he got a knock on the door. This guy showed up. So I think you need new tires. I brought you four new tires. He said, oh, I was just praying, you know, and God just answered my prayer. The guy said, yes, that's how I answer people's prayers, using me. He never answers my own. <laughs> I'm telling you. He, 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 the guy said, you're not even happy. Say happy about what? When I don't have tires, he doesn't send anybody, but he sends me all over the place, giving other people tires. <laughs> this was how he complained. And the man was saying that, I wish this man would be more joyful. He was very faithful with his, his assignment, too. But you're just wondering why God does not give to him, but only sending him to give to other people. You know, I understand spiritual things, and I said, look, that's how life is. If you want God to give to you, the way the other people are praying, you to pray properly with sincerity. Yeah. Are you getting my point? Yes, Very important to understand what this Christianity is about, though. Let's look, let's get it clear. Christianity is about being totally devoted to the Lord. 100%. Deriving our joy in obedience to his word. Now, I began by explaining that, look, so Satan knows all of these things. He starts offering us distractions in life. You know, we start doing things hoping that we'll get and one day, you know, we'll be settled. No. God just makes us faithful in life. All the, day, the day of reward, I don't know that is coming, but it's not on this earth. In this earth, is faithfulness that is just being amplified. Are you getting my point? Yes, you give a thousand naira, God gives the ability to do some more, not ability to enjoy Based on that, no. It gives everybody, based on faith, the ability to enjoy. Based on faith, it gives us the things that we need. But those issue of give, receive, is a work of faithfulness. That's what we're participating in. So what's most important, anyway, back to what we're saying, is that we don't fall for the distractions of life, that we don't, like, that we don't let Satan distract us from anything. Now, now, I was saying all of that, to just let you, I give that example of Rutunum, to show that, listen, Christianity can be tough. You understand? It makes demands, not always collecting from us. So it's not always giving to us. Many times he collects. Many times he collects. Though to know, God collected, but God increased him because he was faithful to that word. All right? And then that's the man I told you that one day he sold his company, big industry, and gave out everything. Yeah. That's what he did. He sold his company one day in the early in the 70s. That's in the early 70s. And gave out everything. Just said, okay, go and use for missions. And he just gave out all the money. So that increase that God gave him, you saw where he went to. The Lord is good. So what, that's, what's most important, all right, is that we stick with the word. Like I said, if we're willing to lose material things, that is how we gain eternal things. The Lord is good. So let's continue reading. That's why we'll be reading this, all right? From 145, um, David said, 
I will obey your, st- observe thy statutes. These are prayers. Don't forget. These are prayers. I cry to thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. That is, I will continue to hold on to your instructions. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for the fulfillment of your word. All right? Okay, I wait for thy words. Also can be applied that way. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I stay up throughout the night. I meditate on thy word. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from thy law. All right, let me just go to 153 now. Say, look up now. You are going to read 154. 153 says, look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget thy law. 154. Leave my course and redeem me. Revive me according to thy word. 155. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek thy statutes. 156. Greater thy mercies, O Lord, revive me according to thy ordinances. Many are my persecutors who have looked at this before, and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from thy testimonies. I beheld the treasures and load them. Consider how I love thy precepts. Now please follow this. And that's what I'm going to conclude on, this issue of love for the precepts. Consider how I love thy precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. The sum of thy word is true. And every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. Everything God says is for your good. That's the meaning of the sum of thy word is truth. That is, is uh, my explanation I give all the time is if Samsung says, don't put this in water. Please don't put it in water. They mean it. It's not a joke. Don't put it in water. If you buy an equipment, you buy your car, they say don't put petrol in the radiator and don't put water in the fuel tank. Believe them. They're not joking about it. That is the truth. And that truth is for your own good. That's what it was saying here. All right, 161. Princes persecute me. We have looked at this. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of thy words. I rejoice at thy word as one who finds grace for. Read that again. I rejoice at thy word as one who finds grace for. I like, let me just read that in the New Living Translation. I rejoice in your words like one who discovers a great treasure. You know why you know you're a real believer? When you're excited, when you hear the revelation of the word of God. And, you know, like if you're going on the road now, and somebody stops you and says, the Lord laid it upon my heart to give you one million naira." You will have collected it before you ask, what's your name? <laughs> and you will oh, praise the Lord. You come to church and testify. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brethren, I was just going on the road that day. I, you, know, you know, testimony. And everybody says, hmm, the word is working. You see, you rejoice. Everybody will clap. But you know, we don't remember to come and testify. If anybody has a testimony, you say, brethren. Yesterday, I listened to one message, and finally, I understood what Solomon was saying here. And instantly, I realized that I needed to apply my life to it. Praise the Lord. The most brilliant will look at, uh-huh, so what happened? <laughs> then what? You know, we don't, we don't understand that that's the end. For us, uh-huh, what do you now get from it? <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, the word of God is treasure. It's treasure, it's treasure. It's treasure. If I give you a hundred dollars now, all right, you know, you won't keep it in your Bible because you may forget it. You won't put it in your pocket. Somebody may see it. 
when you were young, did you can you remember this inner pocket that how many of you had in those days? It's really here. You know, you open it, you, it opens you anything you put inside, it cannot get missing. It's, it's only if you get missing that thing can get missing. You remember, remember those pockets? I, I used in secondary school. My key used to be there so that I won't get, lose my key. And if I had money, I had to go in there. That one is the mouth is held by your belt. You need to loosen the belt before you can. And just two fingers, nothing more than two fingers. <laughs> That's the kind of place you want to put the money in. Why? You don't want it to get missing. You don't want it to get missing. That's how. Of course, that, 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 that's because we treasure the cash. We treasure the cash. And what are we supposed to do as believers? We should treasure the word of God like that. I heard you praying. You said that last Saturday, Nigeria was playing. So people, if you are like that, please come and give your life to Christ. I'm making an altar call. All the sinners in the house, you you match. Somebody will miss. And you know, there's one lie people tell themselves. I will listen to the tape. Listen, the operation of spiritual things is not like that. It is not the fact that your ears have contacted physically the vibrations that we call the sounds that matters. You can hear the sound and your ears are deadened. Hear, don't understand. See and don't perceive. And they were hearing Isaiah preach. And by the time Jesus came, that word was in operation. It's in operation till today. Jesus will talk, say they won't understand. Why he said they will not understand? Yet they were hearing it. What determines whether you understand or you don't understand is how much value you place on it. That's it. And the amount of value you place on it, you have to demonstrate a lot of times. And those are the times God would deliberately say, okay, put that crucial match at 4.30, kickoff, or 5.30, knowing that 5 o'clock is when you are supposed to start hearing the word. He will set calf up. They will put the match and it will end as you have finished, when you are supposed to finish in Bible study. You know what he's trying to do? Show me what matters to you. That's all. Wait, okay, two of you are giving testimony of a woman, a young woman, who one guy wanted to marry. And then one day he now said, please, oh, did you hear what Pastor Bank preached on Saturday? The guy said, ah, I changed the satellite, the, the dish direction. Say said, what, why? He said, I wanted to watch Big Brother. So the girl didn't say anything, no. She didn't say anything, no. She didn't say anything. But that was the end of the relationship. No, that was the end. Final. Zero. I know they marry again. They didn't fight, though. I just came and said, hey, please, did you watch that teaching on Saturday? I was not able to watch it. Oh, no, 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 no. I needed to use my satellite somewhere as well. There was one entertainment program. No, Allah. Don't worry. You will marry Beyonce. Me? Forget it. I heard a story of another lady. One guy wanted to marry the So one day she went to his house, looked around. Where are your books? Ah, the guy said, no, they read. <laughs> they everything. And the minister. That doesn't need to do since they're inside. The guy no quarrel. The guy didn't say anything. Thank you very much. It was nice visiting you. She kept on walking and separated herself from him as far as the east is from the west. So this is, these are the things you value, eh? Thank you very much. No, there's no quarrel. You will find somebody like you. You see, you can't marry everybody. Have you, can you? We're just locating ourselves, that's all. Me and you are not following the same direction. All this is what I tell you, opposites attract. Eh? It's magnets. In real life. 
<laughs> in real life, in real life, what God said is, what relationship has light with darkness? How can opposites attract? That's what God said. Forget all this one we write in, in books and make it sound so you know, theologically sound and so exegetically correct, all those kind of things. Opposites attract and we bind it. Oh, hallelujah. Opposites attract. Lie. <laughs> Are you getting my point? In spiritual things, in things that matter, opposites do not attract. Two cannot work together. That, that's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual side. On, on the mundane areas, we can have some small opposites attracting. You like red, and she likes blue. Hey, opposites can attract. Two opposing colors. You snore, she sleeps quietly. Hey, those two can attract. <laughs> and those ones can attract. That's the kind of thing they attract to. But real things, opposites don't attract. Opposites don't. A house, house divided against itself cannot stand. If somebody wants to watch the word of God while the other person is watching Big Brother Africa, how can they make progress? Go and listen to my message, How to Find True Love. That's it. I want to start talking some more about Let me tell you something about true love. True love has zero to do with feeling. Anytime I see him, my stomach could just be doing like this. All the people that divorce after six months in America. That's how their stomach too they do. But what about stomach after they've done, has done, it has done, it is said to. Then the things that matter will now manifest. People say, Can I fall in love? It's a simple answer. If you fall in normal life, do you lie down there? <laughs> so if you fall in love, it is good. Just get up. Yes. You fall in love is good. But when you finish falling, you go clear your eyes, oh boy, stand up. This floor is not good for you. And that you fall for something, you wake up, clear your eyes. Say, guys, hold me, hold me. Don't let me go. <laughs> That's how you do it. Your friends will hold you. Say, no, why? It's not like that, too. All this falling in love thing is nonsense talk. You know what all love does? Love will shine eye and walk in. You don't fall over. You walk JJ step by step. Consider your steps. Are we going the same direction? Falling in love, go. Anything you fall into is not good for you. You should get up and be sure you are where God wants you to be. The Lord is good. So David said, I rejoice at thy word as one who finds what? Great spoil or great treasure. Okay? Now, 163, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love thy law. Seven times a day I praise thee because of thy righteous ordinances. Now, we've discussed this one before. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love thy law. One of the proofs, because it's a repetition. That is, I know the thing that's important, so I stick to thy word. Now, you want to say seven times a day I praise you. Because of your righteous ordinances. Um, you can take the seven times as literal, but I, I believe it's more um, of a type, you know. Seven being that I, I am constantly, yes, regularly, every time, always offering praises to the Lord because of the righteousness of his ordinances. But 165. Those who love thy law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for thy salvation, O Lord. And do thy commandments. Now, this is important. We're going to come back, come to it again. This 166. But let me just say that 165. Please bear that in mind. Those who love the law of God have great peace. 
Those who love the law of God, they have great peace. That is a matter of fact. Peace comes to them because of where their affection is. That's it. I will, I will talk more about it. Let's just continue reading. And nothing, he says, causes them to stumble because the word of God gives them understanding. He helps them put everything in life in perspective. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. I'll come back to it. What David was saying is that this is a sign that somebody is waiting for the hand of God to move on his behalf, how he constantly holds on to what the Lord has said. 167, my soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Please notice that. My, I've kept your precepts and your testimony for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. 173, he said, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, that I may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. The Lord is good. Please, let's take our seats. I'll just pass a few more comments, then we'll rise up again to pray, and then we'll close. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. And I just wanted, to, I wanted us to read to the end, then I'll just emphasize a few things. What I just want to bring out from these portions we read today, we have just read now, is, what, uh, is the issue of what somebody loves as being the most, that is the key issue here. Now, let me just pass a comment quickly on 173. He said, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. And what David was saying there is this. I have chosen to obey the word of God. I have nowhere else to turn to. Are you getting my point here? Now, please, you must understand how to interpret things. There are times that people will tell you, that Hezekiah prayed and he showed God the good things he had done for which God should bless him back by force. They give you that impression. But unfortunately, it's not like that. If you read the prayer of Hezekiah after he had recovered, if you read his prayer of thanksgiving, you will see that Hezekiah acknowledged that there were reasons he went into the affliction that he went into. And that part of his prayers that were not recorded before, um, maybe I should just open to it. Part of the prayers not recorded before he was healed, all right? Those prayers, which now said later, included repentance. Let's just read one Isaiah chapter 38, from verse 9. It says, a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. Now, what did he say? I said, in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol, that is the grave, and I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night, thou dost make an end of me. I compose my soul until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night, thou dost make an end of me. Like a swallow, like a crane, so I twitter. So they used to use twitter that time. (laughs) 
I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my security. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall wonder about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and all this is the life of my spirit. Now, O restore to me health, that was the prayer I prayed, and let me live. For my own welfare, now listen to this. Lo, for my own welfare, I had great bitterness. That is, what happened was for my good. It is thou who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Are you seeing that? For that is, listen to this. It was God that prevented him from dying. How did God do it? He forgave his sins. For sure cannot thank thee. Death cannot praise thee. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy faithfulness. There is a living who gives thanks to thee, as I do today. A father tells his sons about thy faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me. We will play, and so we will play my songs on string instruments. All the days of my life at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the ball that he may recover. Now let me just stop here. Now, why I read this is to let us you know sometimes people don't, like I say all the time, be careful when you're reading the Bible. Be very careful. Be studious. Read it carefully. You know, people popularize that issue that Ezekiel faced the wall and he said to God, look at the things I have done. So when you are in trouble, you bring out and show God the things that you have done. Ezekiel didn't do that. Even though you read, the, you know, you read a brief summary of what he said earlier. That I've walked before you and all of that. Now, why I came to this is because of what we're reading in this Psalm 119. In that verse, um, which verse is that now? 173, yes. Now, it's to let us know that what Isaiah actually did was to explain to God that I had nowhere else to go. You are the only ones, you are the only one I have followed. You are my God. There is no other God. I have tried my best to stick with that principle. We'll come to it again. David said here in 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Well, how can he say that? When he's been saying, I've kept your law, I've kept your law, I've kept your law, I've kept your law. Then he wakes up and says, I've gone astray. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Now, the point these men were making, both Ezekiah and David, is this. Now, there's a baseline following of the Lord, okay, which is a result of what somebody's heart really longs for. Now, that's why David will tell you, I have kept your law. That is, essentially, your law has been my hope. There's nowhere else for me to turn to. Now, even while I'm doing that, there are times I go astray like sheep. That is, I don't know what to do. So, in the midst of loving God, in the midst of following the precepts that I have, I can make mistakes. I can do that which is wrong. So, he prayed at that point and said, Lord, seek your servant. As such times, don't abandon me. Are you getting my point here? So, in Ezekiah's case... Yes, he did, he did what he knew to be true. But in the midst of his troubles, the Holy Spirit was not able to point out to him that his life was not totally in order. Are you getting my point here? God did not just look. It's not as if God suddenly just woke up one day and said, Okay, ah, is it Ezekiah? Ah, who's killing him? You didn't tell me. Ezekiah, that good man. No, 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 no. no that's not what happened. That was not what happened. In that process, you know, the Bible is very summarized. In that process, Hezekiah knew what was wrong. In that process, Hezekiah was corrected. You notice something here. He said, Thou hast cast my sins behind thy back. He said, It was for my good. 
Which verse is that? Around 16. Yes. It said, Lo, that's verse 17. For my own welfare, I had great bitterness. That is what happened was for my good. And that's why it's not said, next line, he explained that you have cast my sins behind thy back. That is, because of my bitterness, I recognize my sins. I confess my sins, the Lord forgave my sins and threw them away. Are you getting my point here? So it wasn't bragging like eh, everything I did was right. No. I'm using that one to emphasize what I call the baseline following of God. In which the men were saying, God, who, which other God do we have? I don't know whether you get my point here. That's why we have followed you. You say offer sacrifices, and then we did. We didn't go to sacrifice to another God. Who will help us if it is not you? You, you are getting my point here? Very important for us to understand it. Now, let you, I just want to emphasize that. So they, because what I want to talk about like today is this issue. I, I went through it. One thing David kept on emphasizing, it was somebody loves basically. Where your heart really is. Now, listen, let me explain this. When we are praying, these are the things we pray about. Check where your heart really is. The danger I have noticed in today's Christianity that has crept into the church and has caused a lot of problems. Let me say something to you quickly. Spiritual things, they work like this. God gives you results in life, gives you blessings. Those blessings are distracting. The church preached the word. They prayed. Then what happened? The church began to grow. The distraction started. Christian women complained against the Hebrew women, all kinds of things that let's set to so that the church will not have troubles. Now, the common sense thing is to put the, head, the pastor, what we call pastor today, that was not the way it was then, but let's just use, the, use today's terminology. Let's, you know, we will now put the pastor in charge so there will be no trouble in the church. The highest ranking person, so they handle the money, they handle the distribution, and all of that. Now, but Peter and co. have been taught by the Lord Jesus. They understood that anytime God gives you results, progress, promotion, it brings distractions. So they came and said, we will not neglect the ministry of the word and prayer and start serving what? Tables. That's how life is. So you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. Like he told the church in Ephesus, you have to be careful to make sure you do the work you did at first. Because when you progress in God, the things you did at first are in jeopardy. You need more energy. Let me give you an example. I mean, you're, you're a business person. God has increased you. And those days when you were very small, when your t- turnover on a monthly basis was 55000 a whole month, from it you will now calculate profit. Profit now comes to 6005 And from that profit you're supposed to eat. Remember those days? <laughs> Those days you wake up in the morning and bless the Lord in the name of Jesus. I, I increase. I, you'll be blessing God, you're confessing the word. Fast forward 15 years. Turn over on a monthly basis. 150 million. 200 million. Phone calls from Abuja. Meeting being called here. Meeting being called there. One week will pass. You won't bless the Lord. And the Lord understands how busy you are. You don't even sleep in your house anymore. You sleep on the plane, in the taxi, you know, one business after another. And then you have a meeting very soon. You'll be talking to the likes of Dangote. Your turnover by the end of this year, looking at it, should be about to 3.5 billion. You know, business is booming. And the boom of the business boomed the way your morning confession. <laughs> You're blessing the Lord. All those good things you used to do. That is where you have to be careful and say, eh, sorry, this billionaire does not work on Sundays. Use that Sunday as an excuse. It's a lie, but just take it like that. Why do I call it a lie? Just, you know you're a Christian. But you know, for you as a believer, Sunday, Monday is the same thing. 
In Christ Jesus, I hope you know there's no difference. Yes. In Christ, the same. But you just use the advantage. Ah, yeah, it's Sunday now. That's the time you now do what? Meditate and pray and do those things you used to do before. That's how life is. It can be, you know, it, it, it jeopardizes the fundamentals when God has promoted you. That's what happened to Jeroboam. Jeroboam was nobody going on his own. He wasn't worshiping idols. They made him a king suddenly. Suddenly. He realized that this kingship may not last forever. If these people repent of their sins, they will go back to the house of David. So what did he do? He created two idols. Put them at two extremes of Israel. I said, why do you have to go all the way to Jerusalem to go and worship? And that thing made God hate Jeroboam. Only him and Ahab were compete in that area. The hatred that God had for them. He suffered for two things. The sins he committed and the ones he made Israel commit. Be careful. Promotion jeopardizes the fundamentals. That's what happens. And sometimes the thing that God has promoted you to, one day he will take it, or at least he will threaten to take it. What do I mean by that? You will have to break the law of God to sustain it. Don't forget it's a test. Be willing to lose it. Say, well, okay, we're not doing it again. We're not multi-millionaires again. We're going back to where we began from. Don't mind. I mean, these things are physical. The spiritual substance is what, it's what you must not lose. So what happened to the church? Back to where I was. I know where I, where, where I was. So the church, we started preaching the word of faith, the word of prosperity, the word of healing and all of that. Then healing and prosperity became what? The idol, the goal. Before we knew what was happening, the fact that we prospered materially became a problem in itself. One, we needed to prosper some more. You know, those who were young, we heard of the glass cathedral built by Robert Schuller. Remember the, the glass cathedral? Yes, the glass, um, this thing, everything. The whole church was made purely of glass. It was very expensive to build, and it was a sign of what they call possibility thinking, that it works. 